everyone and welcome to season two of A Good Story Starts With. I have the wonderful Zandile with me today, all the way from South Korea. So I am intrigued, Zandi. How how are you? Have you been? How did you get to South Korea? Well, <clears throat> I'm good. I've been uh, well. I think I've adjusted well so far. Um, as to how I came here, it's a very long story, but I'll keep it as brief as I can. Um, so my initial interest for coming to South Korea was um, birthed maybe six, seven years ago. Uh, I met my current best friend um, at uni in Darwin, and she's Korean. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I just got to experience a lot of a lot about Korean culture through her and through other friends we made. And I just loved it. And I visited here a couple of years ago, um, 2018 and 2019, and I just fell in love with the country. It just doesn't feel like a, like a strange place. It just feels like comfortable, like a place I could live in. So wow. uh, I wanted to live here at least a couple of years because um, I, I, I speak a bit of Korean, but I want to improve and I wanted to be like mm-hmm. immersed in the culture kind of thing. And the kind of only feasible way for me to come here was to uh, teach English uh, because you don't really mm-hmm. need much except uh, a degree um, at an approved university in an English-speaking country. And uh, uh, what's it called? TESOL certificate, which is like a 12-week course in some places. So, yeah, I I did that and um, I applied. Well, my friend found this current job for me. Um, And it was a bit of a process trying to get out of Australia because you know how the, the rules are a bit about leaving the country, but... Um, thank God that was not a big issue. So I arrived here last year in August and yeah, it's been, I would say it's really been a blast. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's amazing. Like, cause you, cause we met in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, and the reason why you met in New Zealand is because we, like our, our mums, obviously are good friends and um, we both like grew up in Zimbabwe and stuff like that. How has been moving from Zimbabwe to New Zealand to Australia to South Korea? Like <laughs> how is that whole transition? Yeah. Uh, I'd yeah. say the biggest culture shock for me was uh, of course moving from Zimbabwe to New Zealand I, mm-hmm. I would say, uh, yeah, just suddenly being surrounded by people who look different to you and speak differently to you was like, oh, okay. But um, because we lived in such a out-of-the-way, small country town, sort of forced to adjust pretty quickly. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it was... Uh, it was very interesting. I got to try a whole lot of new things I never would have back home, like going uh, yeah. camping or tramping and going out on the ocean on the boat and stuff like that. It was it was amazing. Um, moving yeah. to Australia honestly wasn't a big <laughs> as big of a hoopla because they're pretty much the same. <laughs> and, yeah, pretty much. Um, and moving to South Korea. Uh, I don't have much of a culture shock, I guess, because I got so used to being around Korean people and uh, also having learned Korean and how to speak and listen. It's, like, not so difficult to get around and do stuff. Um, So I'd say there's um, definitely a learning curve here, Mm -hmm. uh, especially because I'm a teacher talking to the kids, uh, it's different for me connecting to them because I don't have 100%. Um, I don't have a hold of, of the Korean language 100%. So communicating with them sometimes is just basic, simple things. Um, mm. But 
they seem to like me, so that's okay. <laughs> that's always a good time. That's always a good time. Yeah. Um, so my, I guess my question right now is if you were um, to define yourself in terms of like who are you and whose are you, how, how, would, you, how would you answer that question? Who Those am I and whose am I? Um, hmm. Well, I guess the second question is easier to answer because I am a Christian. Hmm. I believe in God. I believe in in Jesus. I believe everything the Bible says. And so who I belong to is, of course, I belong to God. Um, who am I, I guess, at the core, I am someone who is a sinner, who has been forgiven. How I live my mm-hmm. life is greatly, is actually just due to that, knowing that I have mm-hmm. found, I have a, a relationship with God, I have been reconciled to Him. That determines how I live my life now. Um, so mm-hmm. I would say that that's me at the core. If we're looking at like personality and the things I like and whatnot, I'd say... Uh, Honestly, I don't know how to describe myself, except I'm a bit weird. Mm. Uh, I find certain things, uh, I'm not your typical, if we look, to look at a typical African girl who grew up in the West like we did, I would say I'm not typical, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like I don't tend to be around like uh, our peeps as much. Like I don't think I've seen or been around people uh, in years. (laughs) I think it's because of where I've lived and the choices I've made. Like obviously I'm here. (laughs) I'm not going to bump into Mm. many Africans here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I understand that. Like I, I also like haven't, like seen a lot of Africans in Melbourne, which like to all the Africans listening in Melbourne, they're like, what, what do you mean? And it's like, I, I just, <laughs> and, it's, and it's like, well, like I, I, I live in the Southeastern suburbs um, and like, it, it's the suburbs. So it's like, you know, everybody is in their own little like mm. groups. And um, because of just like um, our family culture, I've just been very suspicious of group groups and um it's like we're quite highly individualistic so the moment somebody is like hey let's all hang out in a group together I'm like why why are we doing that (laughs) like why why must we do that um but I think like there is when I was in Dunedin like there was beauty in hanging out with other like African girls who grew up in the west um and being like sharing that like common bond of being like like we're different yeah. but that's okay so i understand yeah. what you i mean think we, we might have similar like family styles because my family's always done the sort of weird thing whereas everyone when they moved to australia seemed to go to perth or melbourne my parents went to a country town in queensland <laughs> and then they first moved queensland <laughs> so it's like my yeah, my mom is definitely not a social butterfly, <laughs> so that I think I got that sort of thing from her. Yeah, mm. but no, but we love oh, our moms yeah. and we love our introverts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, um, how? Because the last time I spoke to you and um. We're in New Zealand. You were at the University of Waikato <laughs> doing an engineering degree. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, how long Because, <laughs> like, because I'm pretty sure you, you went to university early because you were, like, a smart-ass cookie slash still are a smart cookie. Probably um, smart Because <laughs> <laughs> when did you go to uni? I went to uni. My first year was 2009. Um, I was mm-hmm. 17 at the time. But, 
probably not a good decision. I think I should have taken a year off. Um, but mm. that's hindsight for you. Um, yes, I did my degree. in. I started in Christchurch. But uh, if you remember those uh, earthquakes. Earthquakes? Oh, those, those small yeah. rumblings that Pretty happened, of course. <laughs> um, but after that, I moved to Waikato. Uh, and yeah, I studied there, um, finished and, uh, after that, straight after that, actually moved to Australia. That was in 2013. And my next goal, I wasn't sure what to do. I wanted a job, but it was a bit harder to get one in Oz. So I went Mm -hmm. the path of trying to do my master's. And, man, it was uh, stress, torture. Um, yeah, I get, Like, I, get I still imagine. feel like I have trauma <laughs> from that. <laughs> I didn't even get to finish because I, I got to a point where I just couldn't do it anymore. I was like, no, there's no point. I'm not enjoying it. I don't think it's worth the stress I was going to going through. Mm. So I quit and I... Thankfully, thank God, I found a job um, like seven or eight months after that. It was a pretty good job, too. And, yeah, I started my career as a project manager for a couple of years. Then COVID hit, and um, Mm. I got uh, let go because I was a contractor and got hired by another company, worked from home, but I really didn't enjoy that. So mm-hmm. that gave me time to think about then coming here because uh, I thought it's the mm-hmm. perfect time to do so. Like I don't have like a concrete plan for what I'm going to do. And this seems like a good sort of take a break, do something different kind of thing. So that's mm-hmm. why I ended up being here. <laughs> that's so, that's so amazing. Like and how how's the culture different from South Korea? Because I feel like the things people know most about South Korea is just BTS and K-pop. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I actually don't even listen to BTS, but <laughs> um, I'd say the culture, the Korean culture, is quite similar to our culture, like Zimbabwean Shona. Mm. The other culture, it's very, very, very similar. I think that's why I was sort of drawn to it. Um, the mm. way they do have like that respect for elders, that sort of, um, but I feel like they take things a bit too far when it comes to like age wise. Like, man, it's a really sensitive thing. Like, uh, because. Yeah you sort of interact with people depending on uh, what is your age. You know, if, if you're sort of the same age, you, 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 it's like your friends so you can talk in a casual kind of manner. But if they're older than you or younger than you, then there's uh, – so there's two tiers to Korean language. There's uh, the polite sort of high respectful language and then there's the casual type. So depending on who you're talking to. So it's quite important, the whole age thing. And hierarchy in mm-hmm. workplaces is, man, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Like they take that very yeah. seriously. Um, in a way, I think it's good, but I think most people abuse their power as like seniors mm-hmm. or older people. Um, mm-hmm. But in terms of like food, man, <sighs> yes. It's amazing here. <laughs> like, ah, bro, I, yeah. yeah, I'm out here trying to lose weight, but I feel like I just shot myself in the foot by coming here. <laughs> yeah. <gasps> because you're all sitting there like, oh, what is your favorite, mm-hmm. like, South Korean dish? Uh, favorite? Mm, man, that's a hard question. I'd say it's something that I would be able to eat if I was able to eat it every day and wouldn't mind mm. is uh, it's kimchi tiga, kimchi stew. So it's got this. Have you tried kimchi? I'm sure you have. Yes. yes. Kimchi mm-hmm. 
Kimchi is life. I like kimchi. Kimchi is amazing. <laughs> I like, I love it. I, I can't have it all the time because I, I just like it, man, what's the, what's the English word for like, inokurua moi, like, I get you. I get you. Whatever that, whatever that word is of like, you just, you can't have a lot of it because you, you just, I don't even know how to describe it. I'm sorry, team, to all my English listeners, like that, that's, that's just lost in translation. Um, But that, like, that's what happens. Uh I think for me, it's like, uh, because there's so many different types of kimchi, so it's, uh, mm. yeah, I never get tired of it or I never get, <laughs> I never get over it. Mm-hmm. So <coughs> what what are you most passionate about, Zandi? Actually, before we go with what you're most passionate about, what does your name mean? Uh, my name. Uh, so my full mm-hmm. name is Zandile. Zandile is... And I hope I don't mess this up. Gosh, if you have any debile listeners there, I might screw this up. Sorry. But uh, from what I know, it means it's part of a phrase. So Zandile is in Tombi. Um, I have a cousin called Zanele. And similar meaning. Mm-hmm. Similar, similar meaning. Uh, sort of meaning like enough. Like enough girls. Or we have... We have enough girls, or it's a, gosh, how do you explain this in English? My mom or my family has more girls than boys, right? So mm-hmm. I am the last girl. So it's sort of like mom was saying, ah, we have a bounty of girls, or we have enough girls, something like that. That's so beautiful. <laughs> it's like this, this. We've reached yeah. the point. <laughs> oh, I don't know if my sister would agree to that. <laughs> Sorry, Bridget. <laughs> it was her birthday yesterday, actually. Oh, yeah. happy belated birthday. <laughs> but yeah, but that's so cool. Yeah, I, I love learning meanings. I had like another host as well who's from Zimbabwe. Um, so that's why I was like. What are all these names? Because we have, we all have, like, pretty awesome, uh, either, like, very biblical mm. names or very, like, meaningful names. Mm. So it's very important to know what our names are. But, yeah, what are you passionate about? I am trying to, I guess, cultivate a passion. Um, if, if I'm to say what interests me or captures my interest most of the time um mm-hmm. i'd say making videos like making i usually make makeup videos and i quite enjoy that mm-hmm. i yeah so i am very passionate about makeup <laughs> i love um what makeup does to not so much like hiding flaws or being ashamed of what you look like but I just enjoy the process of seeing my face change or seeing, putting pretty things on my face. And it's so enjoyable yeah. for me. And the reason I wanted to make videos about it, I don't know why, but I just, that aspect also makes it fun for me to learn something new, mm-hmm. like video editing, making sure I'm able to do this and that. And uh, I, I love that. Mm-hmm. I haven't been able to do much lately because ah, working from Monday to Friday, Saturday, I just want to either relax or go out and relax. do stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, that is, yeah, I think that's, that's my uh, one hobby that I really like to do. Yeah. How did you get into like um, makeup as well as like just, Becoming quite skilled. <laughs> Becoming quite skilled. Well, I don't know about well, that. Well like, <laughs> well, like you, from your first video, from your first attempts at makeup yeah. to now, I like. I come would on. say I have yeah. now got a better grasp of what I'm doing. 
Um, what yeah. got funny story? Like I never was into makeup, like especially in、mm-hmm. my teenagers or my early twenties. I just didn't really care, you know. A lip gloss would be fine; I'd be happy with that. But I think、mm-hmm. it was like around twenty seventeen. Um, I yeah, Rihanna came out with her makeup brand Fenty Beauty, and、mm-hmm. I came across randomly on YouTube、uh, a beauty guru reviewing stuff. And I was like, "Oh, there's this part to YouTube. Interesting." And I just went down this rabbit hole where I was just watching beauty video after beauty video. And I was like, "Oh man, this is so interesting."、And、the YouTube <laughs> like, like you just you just get sucked、oh, yeah. in. I was so sucked in. Gosh, I have、yeah. over after that over a few months. I compiled. I had so much makeup. My mom. Would be like, please stop buying makeup, please. You have too much, and I'm like, no, but I need to try this. <laughs> and yeah, I literally have like drawers, <laughs> drawers of makeup back home. Oh my gosh! Yeah,、uh, but、um, I think it was just, I guess the reason I got better was because I was interested in it because I wanted to.、Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I wanted to improve, and I wanted to make sure I'm using the products in a good way, and it just gives me joy. I don't know why; it's just so fun. I guess because I never、mm-hmm. thought I was a artsy kind of girl. I always just was, you know, your math and sciences, like anything to do with arts. I was like, oh, that's not me. So I felt like, oh, this is something、wow. creative that. I can actually do so. Yeah, it drew me. That's that's so interesting to me because, like, looking at you, I'm like, you're probably one of. I wouldn't have guessed that. Like, you exude such a creativity and such a softness to you that I'm like, why? Why would you? Why would you think you're you're not good at like? Anyway, <laughs> but you you do you do. Thank you. I.、Uh- That's right. I guess because I always thought like uh, maybe uh, like for example like I during the COVID thing yeah I had to tie my hands I、mm. decided to take up pencil art something I never、mm. ever thought I could do but golly、mm. I'll show you something <sighs> thank you so I was like these are all just not. From my own brain, but stuff like this, I was. Whoa! I was like, I can't believe、Dude. I can do this. <laughs> That's amazing. And I was, I was learning how to do shading here, and, and I did this upside. What? What? What is? Oh my gosh! Dude. Oh, I'm sorry. I just thought I was just a maths and science girl. The arts is not. <laughs> no. Like seriously, I never thought I could do this, but then I realized it was all a matter of my thinking, because I always、yep. thought,、oh, you know, if you're good at something, you should be able to do it straight away. Like there shouldn't be a learning curve. <laughs> so that's why I'm like, why did I always think that? Like that's such a dumb thing to、yeah. think. <laughs> but.、Um, Everything, like, everything's got a learning curve. Yeah, but those man, those sketches are amazing. Like totally, you can even have like a mini Etsy shop if you ever wanted to. Ooh, that's interesting. Good、mm-hmm. idea. Yeah,、mm-hmm. make mm-hmm. some much、mm-hmm. money. <laughs> yeah, dude, I am all about that diversify income. Like, try to find other income streams because at the rate that we're going, like that. Is going to be the norm. That's true.、Um, like, there's so much you can do online now, and I.、Mm-hmm. That's why I'm trying to find my sort of niche. Like, I'm thinking,、mm. do I want to really pursue this whole makeup thing to its fullest extent, and like go all out, or do I want to do something else? So I'm sort of trying to figure out what I want to do in regards to.、Um, Other types of other sources of income, yeah.、Mm-hmm. But how? But you, yeah, I need to ask you. How is your um? What do you call it? Your 
placements. How did that all go? Yes. My placement was wonderful. I absolutely loved like being at that particular hospital and just learning different things. Um, I, I made the right decision in terms of like switching careers. Um, I know like the next three years are going to be really tough just in terms of like, um, Victoria at the moment has got a staffing crisis within its health sector. So I know like in terms of being um, supported and um, encouraged, like all hospitals are going to try their best, but they're going to, they're going to start on the back foot because that's just reality. Like it's not them being like, Oh, I don't want to support you. It's like, they, they just, they, yeah, they've just been handicapped from the get-go. So I'm, like, praying for grace for um, for that season when it comes through um, and just choosing to enjoy it. Um, so, sorry, I'm staring at my, like, degree for medical laboratory science up there. A very expensive piece of paper that Holy was. Um, talking about yeah. student loans. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they should, like, actually shoot me now. Um, <laughs> when I told Darcy that it's, like, 7% interest because I'm overseas, he was like, are you are you serious? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even joking. Um, so very expensive piece of paper. But, um, I, yeah, it was, it was good. It was good. Hmm. Because your mom's a nurse, eh? Yes, I am surrounded by nurses. <laughs> it's like, is God trying to tell me to do nursing here? <laughs> but seriously, uh, my mom, uh, my best friend Hannah, uh, and uh, the other teacher, it's an acquaintance, she was a nurse in Australia, but she mm. wanted to take a break. So she came here. Yeah. And it's like, wow, so many nurses around me. <laughs> yeah. But, like, it's a type of career that it's quite flexible in terms of, like, what you want to specialize in, which I enjoy. Because the reason why I left med lab science was that I felt like this is it. Like, I just come to work and this is going to be my life for the next 30, 40 years. And I just, it wasn't a vibe that I was yeah. for. Um, and and that was fine. I, I felt like I could transition before my 30s and I will have done that when I graduate this year speaking in hope um <laughs> but yeah so it's been it's been interesting you're graduating you're getting married gosh there you go dude like <laughs> legit I'm entering my 30s with a new name yeah. and a new career like nice. Just like, what is this? <laughs> um, it's bizarre. It's weird. Um, I wouldn't have thought at like twenty-two that at how old am I? Twenty-seven. Five. Wow. Twenty-two feels so oh, long ago. Um, I only remember you were yeah. so little. Gosh, time <laughs> has flown. This is crazy. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, man. Like I am yeah, I'm turning twenty-eight this year and um it's I wouldn't I wouldn't this is not how I would have pictured twenty-eight being like, but it's actually really beautiful. Um I don't even know what I envisioned twenty-eight to be like, but I it's it's pretty great. It's pretty great. Wait till you hit thirty. Gosh, I hit thirty last year in December, and I'm still like, oh, what is this? <laughs> How? Yeah. So, like, is is there that pressure, like, when you turn thirty, of like, get yourself together? <laughs> what is wrong with you? Like, how did you navigate that space? For me, it's more so that I can't believe. I feel like I'm the same person I was in terms of like. My mannerisms, how I think or talk, like I was at 20 and I'm like, I, I was hoping for this spurt of maturity, you know, like to be wise yeah. and all stuff like that. And it's just like, no, 
I'm just still the same me. And I'm thinking, will I be like this when I'm 40? <laughs> this is scary. <laughs> it is so weird, right? Like what, I guess, how do you envision yourself 10 years from now? Well, I. Like, who do you want to be if you want, if you want to change? Um, I think I do want to have more sort of stability in my life i think that's been mm. something that hasn't been consistent uh for me mm-hmm. uh how so i really don't know i mean i would love to meet someone and have a family of my own but um that's all in god's timing whereas i don't particularly think i have to have uh, a career of sorts or be successful in that manner as opposed to what mm. my parents might think. Like I'm happy enough living the way I am now um, mm-hmm. because I'm at peace, I suppose. Whereas when I was working my prior job, you know, I was getting quite good money, quite a good salary, mm-hmm. quite good benefits and stuff. But I wasn't at peace. Like I, I just felt mm-hmm. like I was just doing this job for the sake of, well, I did this degree, so I'm doing this mm-hmm. job. But I wasn't, I wasn't really there uh, for myself or for the good mm-hmm. of someone else. Um, mm-hmm. But in saying that, um, like I'm not looking to pursue a high high success in life is how people view it. I just want to be comfortable. Mm. I want to be, um, the Korean word is like, so I want to live comfortably and um, not be too stressed with things, but also uh, being uh, there for others around me and actually living my life not for myself, but for mm. the sake of others as well. What that looks like, I honestly have absolutely zero idea. Mm. Um, I guess I'm, I'm flexible in that sense, to the chagrin mm. of my mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, my parents just do not understand. I think they really didn't think I was going to come here. <laughs> And yeah. all of a sudden I was packing bags, buying flight tickets, you know, applying for visas, and I'm here. And I, they keep saying, when are you coming back? Well, who oh, knows? So <laughs> who knows? <laughs> like, oh, my. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Man. <laughs> I can imagine African parents oh, man. being like, yeah. <laughs> Gotta love him. Gotta love him. That's so cool. Will you? Will you ever come back? I will ever. I will come back, but um, I'm still trying to figure out. Because uh, if Australia still has this whole uh, crime team thing, if you come in and stuff, or they make they might make it harder for unvaxxed people mm. to come back. I don't know. So it all depends mm-hmm. on that. But I do want to come back mm-hmm. for a bit and just to see family and friends. I want to live mm-hmm. here. I I told myself at least two years, but gosh, I feel mm-hmm. like the first year, well, it's been a couple of months, but I feel like I haven't experienced as much as I wanted to because of COVID, there's restrictions and stuff. It's hard to get around. It's hard to meet new people. I feel like an extra mm-hmm. year would be welcome for me here. Yeah, and like your visas will allow for an extra year. Uh, and yeah, stuff so like I that. can get my visa extended. Um, it's not very mm-hmm. hard at the moment because there's not many uh, foreign teachers coming in. A lot of uh, foreigners mm-hmm. actually leaving. Um, mm-hmm. So I would say finding a, a job or uh extending my visa won't be very difficult I, I surmise anyway okay. that's fair so 
I was I was thinking about what you said about like um wanting stability but not knowing what it looked like and I had this idea what was your degree in engineering on it was biochemical engineering uh, I think it's biological and chemical engineering but um I did the chemical chemical part not biological I don't know why mm. so what does that mean what is chemical engineering uh I guess what is chemical engineering you're basically someone who is uh, let's say you work in a factory of sorts you're helping to mm-hmm. maintain the equipment there or you're mm-hmm. uh, the one who's making sure that everything runs runs well uh, if there's mm-hmm. anything to improve with equipment with materials you do the calculations on um, Especially because these days there's this whole thing about environmental um, awareness. You're trying to make the system work in a very environmentally friendly way, making sure there's less waste uh, or finding better ways of making things. It's a whole thing. It just depends on which industry you decide to go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I actually never worked as an engineer. I went straight to project management. So I was managing oh. engineers, which was kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how did that go? Um, it was quite weird because uh, the general progression for project managers is they usually start out as engineers or some sort of uh, career, technical career, and then they mm. progress to project managing. But um, mm. this this uh, job opened up because they were looking specifically for someone who's inexperienced because mm-hmm. there was so much experience on the team. They wanted to sort of pass on that experience to someone. I just so happened to be there. And, um, yeah, they they gave me the opportunity, and it was great. Like, it was – yeah. I mean, it was scary, but – Gosh, I learned a lot, mm-hmm. and I loved I loved that job. Like, if I mm-hmm. could have kept that job, uh, that would have been fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, yeah, unfortunately, COVID. No. Good old COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, we were just talking before off camera about, like, how South Korea is dealing with COVID. Yeah. Would, would you mind sharing that again? Uh, yes, so South Korea bit similar to Australia, but I'd say a bit less stringent, maybe. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So there's this, a couple of months ago, they tried this strategy called living with COVID, where they basically, everything was open. You could go anywhere, do anything. Um, there were no curfews and such. Uh, but then the numbers of cases skyrocketed. Um, and then Yes, they would. So they brought back restrictions in the sense now unvaccinated people can't go to gyms, can't go to restaurants or cafes uh, in groups. If they want to go with the group of vaccinated people, they have to present a negative PCR test, but that only one unvax person can be part of that group. Only up to six mm. people can gather in a restaurant. It was four until last week. Um, and mm. then they tried to bring in like um, this uh, Vax Pass thing for like big department stores or malls and like museums and um, uh, big supermarkets kind of thing to stop the Vax Mm -hmm. going in. But um, there was a lawsuit and so the government lost that lawsuit. So, yeah. (laughs) I can go to the mall. Yay. (laughs) But, that's insane, yeah. yeah. Um, there's also a curfew for restaurants and pubs and places, mm-hmm. so they have to be closed by 10 p.m. I don't go mm-hmm. out clubbing and stuff, so I don't know if the clubs are also closing at 10. I assume so. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people, I think over 90% of the country is vaccinated, um, so I don't mm-hmm. see the whole point of having the vax passes because people who are getting sick are mostly the effects so it's like well. yeah it is an interesting time um 
it's currently, I don't know what's going on in terms of like the unvaccinated in Victoria because I stopped listening to the news. Very, <sighs> very good idea. Like if you need stress-free life, that's where you start. It's, <laughs> it's, it's been amazing. I paid attention when they were saying like, you know, Novak is in the country, but yeah. he's held at the airport. And I was like, Oh, what happened with that? And, um, and I just assumed it was like, Oh, you know, he's, he's going to play. It's just, just is what it is. But nope, he got sent back, um, to Serbia. And I was like, huh, this is strange. Um, it was a bit, uh, little bit uncomfortable listening to the minister pretty much exercise quite a lot of like uh singular powers of like man because i was thinking in terms of like the refugees that are currently in australia who's um pleased to, to be in the country haven't haven't been through court because they don't have novik Djokovic's mm. money and legal team and i'm like man like just how long have they been waiting there and how like how does that work out but that was kind of my slant on that but yeah it's it is a very interesting time to be in like victoria um i think there's a lot of people who've left victoria uh but no that's interesting to hear because yeah uh, when I go on the Twitter face, don't go on Twitter, man. Oh. <laughs> the cesspool of darkness ah, is what Twitter is. <laughs> I have never gotten a Twitter account, and I'm never getting a Twitter Save account. Like it just seems very, <laughs> it just it just seems very very dark on that side yeah. of the internet. So much vitriol, um, but it just seems mm. like a lot of Victorians are like. Good on ya, Dan. Like they are up for. I guess maybe they represent like not many people there, but uh, the fear mongering has worked. I feel like in Australia, mm-hmm. and many people are seem like they are down with whatever the government is is proposing or says, and it's that's interesting. Yeah. That's very interesting to hear from somebody outside of Australia because within Australia, people are just like straight up tired. They just, they just honestly don't give a shit. They're like, this yeah. sucks. Um, and no one, no one is like saying like, oh, Daniel Andrews was too lenient with COVID. I, I think, I think if, if those people are saying that, they are a very small minority. Um, cause I remember, when um covid season 1 started in 2020 um and we all went into lockdown and everybody was quite compliant yeah. in in that because it, it was very the messaging was like hey we don't know what's going on we don't have a lot of data um we like we don't know this is the best that we've got and people were like that's fair that's fair enough like we'll comply and then we like victoria had tiered lock levels of lockdown where lock lockdown level four was like you know you couldn't leave home apart from like five reasons um and level one was like you know social distance must and stuff like that and the case numbers dictated the lockdown tiers that we're in and we had in season one of lockdown we had like 50 cases and it was like lockdown level one and everybody was like super proud of like yeah we yeah we did this 2021, which was COVID season 64, <laughs> whatever we're at, <laughs> um, Victoria had five cases and the vaccines had been rolled out and we went straight to lockdown level four. And I literally was like, wait, what? Mm. Like this, we have all these protective measures, like what's going on? And I think that was the moment a lot of people started being like, hold up. <laughs> Like what's going on? This this does not make sense. And like like Daniel Andrews would be like, "Yeah, we're going for, on based on the data," and everybody would be like, "Okay, 
show us this data, please, please show us. But it wasn't, it wasn't shown, but now they've got new pandemic powers that dictate that they have to show the data as well as like have sign a form that makes sure that human rights aren't being violated. But I've stopped following the whole (laughs) shebang because it's like, I don't know, like, I think globally there is an increased like mistrust in authority and governmental powers, which wherever, whichever part you stand on the political spectrum, whether like you're on the more conservative end where you're like, get the government out of my business. I want them to only do protection. And sometimes I worry that they don't even do that well versus like, more on the progressive end where you're like, no, the government is amazing. Like let them come into my life or you're more center. And you're like, sometimes I think it's good for the government to intervene. And sometimes you're like, no, back off. Like whichever political system you're at, I think there's just a general mistrust and an increased polarization of like these two right and left side of the political system. I'm definitely on the conservative side. And I think Mm -hmm. throughout this whole disastrous handling of COVID, I've been pushed Mm -hmm. more to the right where I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah, the government has no business doing anything to do with a person's body and enforcing. Mm -hmm. Like that should be against the law to mm-hmm. enforce something that people should put something in their bodies. Uh, no, the government has no say. Your, doc- your doctor can't even tell you to do something or to force you to take whatever kind of medication. It's, it's up to you and your conscience. And so mm-hmm. I've been, it's like I've had a big wake-up call really, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. which I'm grateful for because, uh, you got to be aware of the things going around you. Yeah. I feel like that statement for some people would be quite controversial. One, because mm-hmm. what you just said of like you lean more to the conservative side because it's like, what? But like you're African. <laughs> like why, why would you <laughs> – why would you go with the, like, you know, racist people on the right? Why can't you be, like, you – why Why aren't you progressive? Like, why aren't you on the left side of the spectrum? Like, how How did you get to – How? Did, yeah, basically, how did you realize, oh, man, on the political system, I lean more right than I do left, and what does that look like? Um, so, well, I never was into politics at all, uh, ever. I had never mm-hmm. voted. I've never voted. I've never done anything. I didn't really care. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, um, it was about three, oh, no, four years ago now. Um, mm-hmm. So actually, the trigger for me was when I came to Christ, when I came uh, to know the gospel and know uh, about God's salvation. And I started reading my Bible and learning about Mm -hmm. Christian values. And along that Mm -hmm. journey, I learned that conservative values tend to fall more in line with uh, Christian values, especially when it comes to the family, um, how Mm -hmm. the family structure is very important. Um, Mm -hmm. So obviously uh, being against like uh, homosexual marriage and stuff like that is a basic thing, and that's what conservatives are for. Uh, abortion, mm-hmm. obviously, another one, mm-hmm. uh, which I am a very, very huge advocate against um, the taking of innocent lives. So that's usually more mm-hmm. on the conservative uh, conservative side. So slowly, slowly, as I was, uh, you know, growing more in my Christian faith, it just naturally, I just naturally fell to conservatism. But what led me into the mm-hmm. political arena uh, you know the whole mm. um uh the whole trout the the american elections happened was it in 2020 man 
Uh, which one? Trump, the Trump versus Biden. Clinton. Trump and Biden. Okay. I yeah. never liked mm-hmm. Trump. Uh, I remember when he came into Very power. Very few people I do. I never liked him. I thought, mm-hmm. oh, this dude is so weird. But then I feel mm-hmm. like I had a wake up call around 2020 when I could see how the media manipulated things to make it seem like he'd done or said something and they don't give the full context. And then they never come back and say, oh, no, sorry, we actually, we were wrong. And it was the obvious manipulation that they did of trying to make this man look so horrible and so terrible. Uh, But then if you really dug through and did your research, you would see the things he did. And I'm not saying his personality is top notch, but. The way they it really de- demonized him to the point where you think he's this evil racist person who just hates the side of black people or just wants neo-Nazis to rule. It was, man, it was such an eye-opener for me um, to how mm. the media can manipulate you. And so I actually stopped watching the news from there. I mean... I, I I tend to go to independent uh, news outlets. Um, I feel like mm-hmm. there's more trustworthiness there, but I don't fully fully trust any anyone anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just realized that there's a there's a narrative, and when there's a narrative uh, that can help propel a political party or agenda, they will manipulate mm-hmm. that as they did with the Mm -hmm. whole George Floyd thing. Um, Mm -hmm. Golly, that was just, yeah. That was a lot. Yeah, 2020 was just. ah. 2020 was a lot. Um, It was because I'm the kind of person when, like, volatile news like that happens, I'm like, man, like, I – I just like to sit down and think and listen and um, be like, what's going on? And um, when the facts, I, I didn't watch the video of um, the policeman pretty much yeah. like committing manslaughter on George Floyd. Um, Cause I was like, I just, I just, yeah. don't, I just don't think that's dignified. I don't think watching somebody die is something I want to witness. Yeah. Um but once the – what I found interesting when the facts came out of that, you know, George Floyd was um, – had X amount of, like, criminal records mm-hmm. and he was this, that, and that, not really the most upstanding human being on the yeah. planet, was the uh, the inability on both, like – right and left political leanings to just look at that objectively and be like, yes, um, he was, um, he was not an upstanding human being. Um, yes, that cop committed manslaughter. Yes. That cop needed to go and like have be set in front of a jury of peers and be convicted. Police brutality is a thing that needs to be fixed and that doesn't happen with defunding the police. You actually have to put more money to put more boundaries and strategies in place for that. Instead of objectively being like, yes, that happens. Like one side of the political system made George Floyd into a saint and the other side like was like, oh, no, he's a criminal. Like it it doesn't matter. And I'm like, no, like you can actually hold those two things in tension of like, yes, he was not an upstanding human being, but he was still a human being who needed to be treated with yeah. dignity. And I just, I just found that quite like, there's no, give. this is weird. There's no give on either side. Yeah. It's like you're either with us or yeah. You're against <laughs> yeah. us. And I'm just like, you, it, you like, you do know, like it both can be true. Like, um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting how American style politics have bled through to how the whole world now views, like with increased polarization and um, how, like, yeah, just 
the distrust, man, it's insane. Like, for me, I know that, for example, I probably would have been on the progressive side, if not center-leaning, if I hadn't, Mm -hmm. yeah, if I hadn't come to know God. And I Mm -hmm. just, I just know it because um, my thoughts at the time were, well, um, I really had this view that, uh, for example, uh, some there was a a whole thing against being black, like racism mm-hmm. was this actual tangible thing. That if a person mm-hmm. said this thing or did that thing, ah, that person must be a racist. Like I, there was no digging further in my mind of. Uh, trying to figure out this person and their thoughts and their opinions without painting them with a brush. And I find that Mm -hmm. to me, it's a disservice not only to them, but to myself as well, because I, I stopped myself from getting to know people because they acted a certain way that I thought indicated they had a bias against me kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's been tough having to unlearn that, um, yeah but I'm just glad that uh, I do see the errors of my ways I guess um, Mm -hmm. in the way I think and yeah I don't know how how has it been tough to unlearn that like what do you mean by that so I'll give a tangible example Um, I used to go to Mm -hmm. this church and I was pretty much, yeah, we're pretty much the only African family there. And we would have, like, I would feel sort of like, oh, these people, they're not really being genuine when they ask me questions about me. I thought they were being nosy and trying to be like, oh, why, why are you even here? Or That was my leaning. That was my brain telling me there's no way they could be interested in me, you know, they're white, I'm black. So I had that uh, Mm. sort of bias from the get-go, whereas, you know, there are actually genuine people wanting to get to know me, wanting to figure out what I'm doing in life. But I took it in a way of they're just, you know, trying to get in my business, trying to suss us out and see if we're worthy of their attention kind of thing. It was a whole lot of them and us kind of thing that I just put on them. And mm. But it's funny because it's it's in that exact same church that I came to know Christ. So after yeah. my attitude changed, I realized how wrong I'd been, evil, in fact, to assume their intentions. Um, and uh, it's it's sort of showing me how far I'd come to think in terms of black versus white. Like I hadn't mm-hmm. realized I was actually yeah I was a racist. I'll admit that I was a racist mm-hmm. against white people because I would always uh, think of you know give them motives that they didn't have and uh, mm-hmm. assume there's some underlying badness to whatever they said to me. I admitted this to a friend recently, actually. Um, <laughs> I was like, you're my first white friend, close friend. And he's like, oh, really? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. And he used to be racist and stuff. And I was like, oh, man, wow. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> what a conversation. Like, what a conversation that would have yeah. been. Uh, he's, 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 he's accepted my weirdness, so. It's good. <laughs> now, I, I appreciate your humility to say that um, because, you know, there, there's a lot of rhetoric everywhere that's like, you know, black people can't be racist. Oh, yes, they can. Oh, I hate that rhetoric <laughs> so much. My gosh, we can be so racist. Goodness. <laughs> we can. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Whoever. Yeah. They need to go to Africa, you know, if they want to see black people being racist. <laughs> just take yourself to a black country and just, yeah. Uh, anyway, I know. Yeah. I, I think. No, um, I 
I can't remember where I was reading it, but um, they were talking about if you don't actually know your history, you will just assign like meaning to the now and actually forget just how far we've come in terms of like humanity's progression um, and how right now, like we're slowly unpicking that. Um, it was Martin Luther King Day right. the other day, either two days ago or a day ago, <laughs> just dating my podcast <laughs> now. Um, but um, he, like his famous, I have a dream speech, like um, where he has a dream where his children are judged not by the color of their skin, mm-hmm. by the con- but by the content of their character. And just the slow inversion of that now where we're, we're, just, we're just judging people now by the color of their skin. It's like, nah, I don't really care about your character. Yeah. Like, nah, nah, no. Because you are white, black, and whatever in between – you must be this assigning meaning to a color. It's like, yes, it's almost like we've been here before. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> not that long ago either. <laughs> not that long ago. We were here. There was a thing. I don't know if you remember it. It was called the civil <laughs> yes. rights movement. Just, just, just saying, just saying this was a thing. This also happened in South yeah. Africa. It was a massive thing. This dude called Nelson Mandela, just mm. saying, just saying, this has happened. We've beat this before. We can do it again. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my hopeful like end to that of like, yeah, it's just weird. Yeah. There's never going to be any sort of perfection in this world. Okay. Though, because there's no point seeking perfection here, but there is hope. Nonetheless. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So we've come to the part where you get to ask me a question or questions. I'm going to ask you a very hard question. Oh, okay. So, Wilma, what do you live for? Mm, That is such a good question. I think I, if I were to come down to it, um, this is an amalgamation of like, and I'm going to butcher the saying, but like of John Piper, Augustine, and the Westminster Abbey catechism mm-hmm. of like, the chief end of man is to enjoy God and what I aim to live for is to live a life where like I find pleasure and goodness in God and allow him to redefine what that means um, and to color everything what that means because I think we we live in a world that takes pleasure divorces it from God and then like runs amok with it and then when you become born again because you you don't realize that pleasure was always meant to be coupled with God. Um, when you recognize it again, you start thinking like, oh, this is bad. Like Christianity is just meant to be this like stoic, like don't have fun, don't do anything, don't find pleasure in anything. And even the word pleasure, like people like flinch when they hear that. Um, when it's like actually – it's like at the right hand of God, they are pleasures forevermore. What does it, yeah, like what does it look like to actually sit at the feet of Jesus, to actually look at him face to face, to hold his hands and to accept the pleasures that are in God's hand? So that's that's kind of what I'm like molding my life around and like reshaping and rethinking what does it look like to find pleasure in God? Um because the, there's a there's a lot um, of hangups that um, that I've noticed. So this is just pure anecdotal evidence. Team, I haven't done like like a research paper on this. It's just pure anecdotal. 
But like what I've noticed is like there's a lot of hangups that Christian go through with that of like, no, you can't have fun with God. Like, mm. no, we're meant to be serious all the time. And I'm like, like, yes, there's a time and place for seriousness. Don't get me wrong. Holiness is beautiful. But what if holiness is also pleasurable? Um, like, what so if we. Good. Yeah, like, like, so I, yeah, not necessarily like, nah, toss the whole gospel out. Let's have a gospel of pleasure. But like, actually, what if the gospel is pleasurable? Like, so that's kind of, that's kind of what I live you for. You hit the nail. Um, actually, I was willing up a bit there because I'm like, ah, this is so good. I love, I love what you say. I like how uh, there is pleasure to be found in God. And, uh, to take it further, what if pleasure, we've redefined pleasure as human beings to be this, let's say, this thing here, whereas actual pleasure mm. is to be found with God. And because we can't mm. uh, separate those two, we think that's why you have Christians having struggles with that. If they're enjoying their Christian walk, enjoying their relationship with God, having joy, it might seem like oh there's something a bit you know i should have a bit of suffering mm -hmm. here like struggling here yeah just sprinkle yeah. it in makes me feel better <laughs> which is sometimes what i struggle with um but the bible talks about delighting mm. in the lord delighting in the lord having joy in the lord and it's like well all those things are covered within pleasure and uh, mm -hmm. oh gosh what you just said very good excellent i love it Oh, that's okay that's okay thank you so much um for the chat i've enjoyed it yeah. and i'm glad something i said was able to like resonate with you i appreciate that's that perfect no thank you for this time